So as I begin this morning, you know, um, when we gather together like this on Sunday mornings, uh, you know, the church tells us to build one another up. And that, that is so, so important to, to encourage one another. Um, 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as, in fact, you are doing. And then Hebrews chapter 10 says, Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. And I like what the Bible says. It says, let us, it says, let us think of ways to motivate one another. And that is so important. And I know, you know, for me, and even now I need this as a pastor, but when I worked in the, in the secular world, um, I wasn't getting any motivation, motiv motivation and any encouragement from, from, from the people I was around for Christ. It was just not coming there. If, if anything, it was, it was trying to pull me away and push me down. So we need to understand it's so important as a believer that we encourage and build one another up. And, and that's what the Bible says. And if you read Paul's letters, and a lot of Paul's letters, there was correction, but Paul was always uh, exhorting and building up the church. He, he was always um, encouraging the church. So um, as your pastor, I need to build you up. I mean, I, I need to encourage you um, in, in your walk with the Lord um, because I understand that living for Christ is not easy. It's, it's not easy. It's not, it, it's not an easy thing to do. And we need to motivate and encourage one another in our walk. So um, the last time I spoke, and let me just say this real quick. I meant to say this. Lee and Rachel, um, you know, we are affiliated with the NRP Network, Network of Related Pastors. And they've launched a, um, a, a college a school this year. And uh, they invited all, anybody who had somebody that wanted to participate in the churches could, could go to it. So Lee and Rachel signed up both to go through that this year. And it's an online thing they're doing, but it's also an in-person meeting that they're going to do three times a year. And one of the weekends was this weekend here. So they're right there in Slidell meeting with Pastor Keith and some of the other pastors there for part of that training. So I didn't want you to think that they, you know, Wesley and Rachel out, they skipping church. They're not, they're not skipping church. They're, they're involved in that. So um, ju ju just to say that. But, um, but the last time I spoke, um, I challenged us to become new wineskins. And this church did that. We came forward and we surrendered ourselves and, um, uh, to give ourselves to Christ. And today I want to I encourage you that you can do this. That you can live the life that God has called you, that God has called you to live. And so um, uh, in 1 Thessalonians 1, this is another place where Paul was, was exhorting the church. Um, it says, Paul, Silas, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians and God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you. And um, so look what Paul was saying to the church. He said, we thank God for you. He says, we pray for you and we remember you. And I want to say as your pastor, I do those things for this church. I thank God for every one of you. I lift you up in prayer. I lift up this church, your family, your, your finances. Um, I pray for you, and I remember, I remember you and the work that you're doing in this church 
especially those of us who have stepped up in leadership, our life group leaders, and uh, Ray and Laura. I mean, I, I got a, a journal that I keep at home, and it's in different categories. And I just try to lift up every day just, just church and this ministry and this. So I just want you to know that, that I, I believe I partnered with, with the Apostle Paul when saying that I remember and I pray for you in this church to encourage you and to build you up. And that's what it is that God wants us to do um, for, for, for one another. And um, so today, I don't want to, I don't think we should ever become prideful in Christ, but I believe there is a time when God wants to, wants to build us up, and that's what I want to do to you today. So I titled the message today, You Are a Mighty Warrior. You are a mighty warrior. And, you know, some of us, you know, sitting in here, you might, you might have, as soon as you see that, you might be thinking, well, he's not talking to me, <laughs> you know. But that's what the Bible says. And that's what we're going to look at today. And, and, and so many times we shape what we think about ourselves by what we think of ourselves and not what God does. And it's so important for what, what it is that God has said. So, you know, we must recognize that we are children of God. I mean, I don't think we, we, we really, really comprehend that, um, that the Bible says to all who did receive him, who did receive Jesus, who believed in his name, God gave them the right to become children of God. And I think Antoine and I kind of said this one time, you know, you come across people sometimes and they say, well, you know, we're all God's children. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says we're the children of God when we do what? When we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior. It says, then he gave you the right. Uh, Adam forfeited that right. Adam and Eve forfeited that right when they sinned. They, they lost that right to become God's children. But the Bible says that Christ has brought us back to God. He has reconciled us back unto himself. So the church, you know, really, you, we need to rejoice that we are children of God. Amen. Think about that. that. That's who we are, the Bible says. And, and that, that alone should make us, make, should encourage us. And build us up. The Bible says that God has set us apart. We, we are set apart unto God, the Bible says. So you are a child of God if you have received and believe in the name of Jesus. Um, I said this Friday night, and I'll say this again this morning, and this, this word came forth, I think, um, in prophecy. You know, uh, Antoine mentioned this when he, when he came up, that God needs you to carry out his mission in Covington. God needs every one of us in here. I need you to partner with me to carry out God's purpose in this church. And you might think, well, I'm not as significant as, as the other person. Every one of you are significant in this house. Everybody, from the, from the children all the way up to the, to the senior adults, it doesn't matter. Every single one of you are important and vital to this ministry. Your personality, your giftings, your talents matter. They make a difference. And I said this Friday night, it, ma it makes a difference when you're here, and it makes a difference when you're not here. It's just, it's just that important. So I think God really wants to drive that home to us, that each of us have, um, we have value and importance and significance in the kingdom. And I want to just reiterate that to y'all as your pastor, that you are significant in this church and in, and in this ministry and everything that you do. So, you know, when you read the Bible, I've said this before, you know, one of the best kept secrets about the Bible is that God uses um, average, ordinary, uneduc uneducated sinners to do extraordinary things. Um, all throughout the Bible, you know, 
And people who haven't read the Bible, they just think, well, everyone that God used must have been some kind of great, you know, superstar. And when you read the Bible, that's not the case. From Genesis all the way to Revelation, God picked on average ordinary people just like you and I. So the devil has done a good job of deceiving us into thinking we have to be something God never said we needed to be for him to use us. So that's why it's so important to see what the word of God says. But when you think of the men and women that God used, you know, Moses, you know, Moses had committed murder before God had asked him to deliver the nation of Israel out of Egyptian bondage. Um, the Lord, when God asked Moses to go and speak before Pharaoh, what did Moses tell God? I can't talk. And, and God's like, don't worry about that. I got that, <laughs> you know. And, uh, and you think of, 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 of Hannah and, uh, and Mary and Peter and Paul and the many others that, that God picked on these people in spite of their failures and their shortcomings. God still, God still used them. And there's a story of this in uh, Judges chapter 6 of a man named Gideon. And we're going to look at just part of the story of Gideon here in Judges 6. It says, the angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophir that belonged to Joash the Abyssalite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a winepress to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alone. And uh, you look at this story here, and we're not going to study the whole story, but, but God used Gideon in a, in, a, in a mighty way. The Bible says that when Israel rebelled against God, God would send ungodly nations against them to oppress them, and then the Bible says when Israel would cry out to the Lord, then God would send a judge. This was before the kings were in, introduced. God would send judges into the land to come and free them from the oppression of whatever nation it was that was against them. In this story here with Gideon, it was the Midianites. And Gideon was hiding, was hiding in fear. But, but Gideon's response, I believe, is a way a lot of times we respond to God when God approaches us to do something for him or to say something about what he thinks about us. We have the same response and the, and the same reaction. And I believe that is, that is because of at least two reasons why we have shaped what we think about ourselves based on what other people have said about us. Um, I know in my life that, that was for me, especially when I was a young person, um, you know, maybe it was what was never said. You know, some people might have been in a home or a family where there was never any uh, exhortation. There was never any uh, building up. There was never any uh, in, in, encouragement. And you really never thought really highly of yourself because no one ever said that you were anything special. Or maybe there was times in your life in school or with a teacher or 
someone said something to you that was, that was very demeaning. Uh, maybe they said, you know, you'll never amount to anything. You, you'll never be successful. Uh, you know, you'll never be smart. You'll, you'll never, never, never. And a lot of the we can grow up into our adult life remembering those things that were said, and that can shape who we are, what we think about ourselves. Um, Gideon was told that his clan was the weakest, and he was the least in his clan. So Gideon was like, God, why are you coming to me? I, I, I can't be the one that, you, that you're thinking about. How could I ever deliver the nation of Israel? I'm the weakest. That's the ones that God is picking on the most. You know, and you think about it, why does God do that? Because if God used the ones that could do it on their own, then God would never get the glory. <laughs> Who would get the glory? We would. So God told Gideon he thought that he was going to have to go and, and fight this battle in a, in a physical sense, the way, a, the way a, a, a commander would go, a general would go and gather up a mighty army. And what did, what did the Lord tell Gideon? You got too many. I don't, I don't need your army. I got this. I just need you to obey me. That's all he needed. And the Lord, the Lord did it with 300 men, the Bible says. The second way that we shape the image of ourselves is, um, is us, the, what we think about ourselves. And, you know, in spite of the front that many of us display publicly, most, most people have a poor self-image of themselves. We feel insecure, incapable, we feel unworthy. We feel like we don't possess any great talents, no great abilities. And we just think that I'm just, I'm just not worthy of anything that God could do with me. And um, that, that will prevent us from seeing what it is that God wants us to do and God wants us to become. And I, I can tell you, I, I probably fell into that category. And in some ways, that's kind of good because it keeps us humble. It, it makes us understand, God, we need your strength. But in some ways, God still wants us to know that in Christ, we can do all things. Like, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, the Bible says. So, so that's why it's important for us to, to see what it is that the Bible says about, about us and what is, who does God say that we are. So um, the only image that really matters is the image that God sees. That, that's what we want to see. What does the Word of God say? And um, we will never become who we are created to be until we see ourselves as God does. That's what God wants us to do. And um, we will never see what people can become till we see, till we see what God sees in them. And um, so, so let's just look at this passage here that I, that I read here. And um, it was interesting, too. Um, this isn't part of the, the, the points here, but in verse 13, Gideon told the Lord, he said, pardon me, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And I just want to share this. You know, a lot of times we think when things aren't going right in our life, we think that God has abandoned us. God hasn't. God is still with you. Doesn't matter what you're going through this morning, what you're facing. Your bank account could be empty. Your kids could hate you. You know, it could be, it could just be as low as low could be. And I'm here to tell you, God is still standing right next to you. That's what he told God. The, what did the Lord say? The Lord is with you, almighty warrior. So that's a message for us in and of itself this morning, that it doesn't matter what you're going through today. God has not abandoned you. God is with you, and God sees you, and God, God is going to help you. Amen. Verse 12, it says, When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, 
The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. So the first thing we, we have to see here is what did, who does God say that I am? Who does God say that I am? And see, the, 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 uh, the devil wants to hide what the Bible says about who we are in Christ. He doesn't want us to know who we are in Christ. And if the world ever picks up the Bible and reads it, they will discover what God says about them. And the devil doesn't want that to happen. He's, he just wants to deceive them and trick them and lie to them. And um, so, um, so the thing that changes us, that makes us so confident and so bold is Christ. It's Christ in us, the Bible says, that, that, that gives us the strength and gives us the glory. Second Corinthians, look what Paul told the church. He says, we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, how differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And look what Paul said there. See, what does the world do? The world just looks at other people and judges them from a worldly view. But Paul said, we don't do that anymore. We look at you now and you are a new creation in Christ. So I'm here to tell you, you are a new creation in Jesus Christ. The old is gone, the new has come. Doesn't matter how bad your life was, the mistakes you made, the things you've done. I'm here to tell you if you are born again and you are a child of God, you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. And that is something for you and I to rejoice about. The Bible says the curse of the old you was broken in Jesus' name. That was nailed to the cross in Jesus' name. When you, when you came to Christ, the old you, the, 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 the generational curses, all the things, those things were nailed to the cross in Jesus' name. We are born again, and we are a new creation in Jesus' name. That's what Christ has done for us. That's what it doesn't matter where you, what your education was, what your upbringing was, what, what town you grew up in, what city you were in. It doesn't make a difference. You are a child of God. Now you are in Christ, and Christ is in you. The old you was broken. See, if we remain in Adam, we are cursed, the Bible says. In Adam is shame and guilt and remorse and depression and bitterness and unforgiveness. But in Jesus, I'm brand new. I'm a new creation. And that's one of the things my wife and I love about pastoring is we get to see the new creations blossom right before our eyes in this church. And it's, a, it's just a beautiful picture of salvation that someone comes in and we begin to see God working and building in, in that person's life. And all of a sudden, that person just begins to change right before us. And that's, that's the gospel. That's the work of the cross. And uh, so, so, look, Gideon... See, before God came, Gideon was just existing and surviving. He was just, he was hiding. He was, he was grinding wheat in the wine press, the Bible says. He was afraid of, of the Midianites. But when the Lord showed up, everything changed. Amen. He went from someone that was hiding to someone that became a warrior, a leader of Israel, the Bible says. And what, what, really, what really was it that changed Gideon? It was the words that God spoke to him. It was the word of God. The Lord is with you, almighty warrior. God's word will change you. The word of God spoken to us will change us. So we need to be reminded of what the Bible says. Romans 8, 14, it says, For all who were led by the Spirit of God are children of God. I said this before, we are, we are sons and daughters of God. That's who, that's who God says, well, I, am a, I am a child of God. Doesn't matter what my earthly family was, what my 
background was. The Bible says, I am a, I am a child of God. The Bible says, before you were saved, you were enemies of God. But now we are God's children because of Jesus Christ. So we need to remind ourselves of who we are. Romans 8.31 says, what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? God is for you. You're no longer enemies of God. The Bible says now in Christ we have become friends of God. You are, you are partnering with God. You are, you are a friend of God, the Bible says. And God says if God is with you, think about that. If God is on your side, who or what can be against you? That one verse right there ought to build us up this morning. We, we ought to walk out of here with our heads lifted high, our chests puffed out, and saying, you know what? God is with me. Who can be against me? My problems, my doubts, my fears, my finances. No, nothing, the Bible says. Nothing shall separate us from the love of God. The Bible says we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. More than conquerors. We are overcomers, the Bible says. These are all the things that God, that God has done for us. So allow the word of God, and I've said this so many times, to just try to set aside social media and what the world is saying, open up the Bible, get the Bible app, whatever it is that you want to do, and let the word of God begin to speak into your life, begin to build you up, begin to encourage you and remind us of who we are in Christ. Judges, in verse 14, it says, The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand, Am I not sending you? So the next thing we see here is what has God called me to do? What is it that God has called you to do? See, not only was God calling Gideon a mighty warrior, he was saying, I've called you to deliver my people out of the, out of Midian, out of the Midianite uh, bondage and out of the oppression of the Midianites. Um, and Gideon was so afraid, as I said, he was, hiding, he was hiding from them. And the Bible says that God used Gideon to conquer that army with only 300 men. See, God will always call you to do something that you can only accomplish with him. Let me say that again. God will always call you to do something that you can only accomplish with him. If God is asking you to do something and it seems like it's too big, then it, for, for you it is, but it's not too big for God. See, so that, that's where faith comes in. That's faith. I trust him. And, and see, Gideon, he really thought, man, I got to get out there. I got to get the army, train the army, build the army up, get all these thousands of men. God said, no, no, that's not how I'm going to do this. Get 300 men, and we're going to go defeat the Midianites. So God, God, all God wants is for us to step up as a, as a vessel, as, a, as an instrument, and say, God, here am I. Use me. Just, just, just here am I, God. I, that's what I've done my whole life as a Christian. I, I never thought of myself as being smarter or more educated than anybody, but the one thing I could do, I could make myself available. We can all do that. We can all say, you know, I, I don't really know what I have to bring to the table, but the very least or the very minimum I can do, I can be here. I can be available. And when you're available, God's going to start looking at you and saying, here's some things that you can do. Here's some places you can go. Here's some ministry, some things that God wants you to do. And part of it is just, is just being available and, and understanding that, see, God, God is with us. You know, what, what makes us mighty warriors? It's Jesus. It's Jesus Christ. 
God, God's going to build his kingdom. God's building his church. We're just vessels and instruments occupying this time that we have in our this time frame of life that we're living in right now. God's church will advance. The Bible says the kingdom of God is advancing. He's just looking for faithfulness and warriors that will just step up and step in. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 57, 15, 57, it says, But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so um, the power that you go in is not your power. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says it's not by might, not by strength, but by my power, says the Lord. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. So don't look at your own reasoning and understanding and, and all that. It's the strength and power of God. God is going to give you that strength and give you that power. And, um, and look what the Lord said. I love this. The Lord told Gideon when he said, when he said why are you picking on me and I'm the least clan? The Lord told him, he says, go in the strength you have. Go in the strength. What, what is God saying there? He was telling Gideon, don't try to go get somebody else's strength or somebody else's understanding. Go in the strength and understanding you have. And that's a word that God is speaking to you this morning. Whatever it is that God is asking you to do, don't look at the person next to you and say, I want to be like them. Go in the strength you have. Go in the gifts and talents that God has blessed you with. Go in the, in the things that God has done for you. And God will multiply and God will bless you. The 12 disciples, think about this, they were ordinary men. The, the uh, religious leaders, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they sneered at the men that Jesus picked. They, they were making fun of them. They're just ordinary fishermen. They, they weren't these big religious giants like these fancy Pharisee people was. And they made fun of Jesus. But the Bible says that God literally turned the world around with 12 men, 12 ordinary men. God can do the same thing today. That's what God, that's what God is looking for. And you look at Peter in and, 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 um, Acts chapter 2, after, after the Holy Spirit came, the Bible says Peter stood up with boldness. And what happened about 3,000 people got saved. Come on, we can do this. God, God can use us just as he did with, with those men. So um, what has God called you to do that is greater than you? There's got to be something that God has placed in your spirit that he's asking you or challenging you to do that's something outside of yourself that's going to require you trusting in him. What is it? I know for me it's to be a, a, a better witness, to believe God that, that, that God can use me in a greater way for salvation, for, 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 for ministering and releasing uh, evangelism and, and, and believe in God that, God that God can save many, many souls. It's always something greater that's outside of ourselves. Ask God, say, God, show me something that's bigger than me. Then give me the faith to trust you to do that. And that's where we're going to see mighty things happen and change and growth is going to take place uh, in, in this church. Um, so, um, so what is it that God has called you to do? What, what place it is? And, 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 and that there's a lot of things in this church for us to get involved in. And I said this Friday night. It really begins with just being committed, just saying, you know what? I'm going to commit to the things that this church does. And it's not many, but, but, but we can all be committed to what God is doing here in, in this church. So, and then the last thing here we see in verses 15 and 16, 
Gideon said, pardon me, Lord. And I, I love the way Gideon said that. It's almost like he was excusing himself from having to ask God or remind God about something God didn't already know. Like you're never going to tell God something he doesn't know. And I think Gideon realized when he told God, pardon me, but I just have to say this. <laughs> and he said, pardon me, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all of the Midianites, leaving none alive. The next thing that we see here is, what does God see in me? What does God see in, see, see in me? And that, that's really the response that most of us have when God comes to us is pardon me, Lord, but I can't do this. Or pardon me, God, but I can't speak. Or pardon me, God, and just fill in the blank, I can't. And, but it's never what we see about ourselves. It's what does God see? See, God always sees the finished product. God doesn't see us right from the beginning. God sees what we are yet to become. That, that's what God always sees in us. So God needs to give us that heart. That, those eyes, that vision, that when we see someone that, that's not saved, God, give me a heart to see beyond where they're at now and what they are yet to become, what, what they're going to be. See, that's what God sees. I, I need eyes like that as a pastor to see beyond the, you know, the rough spots and the, the things and see, God, what are you doing? How are you working in that person's life? What is it that you were shaping that person to become? And, you know, as I was putting this message together and um, you know, our church, you know, we got, we got a lot of new creations in this church, a lot of people in this church that God had, has really taken from nothing and made them into something quite extraordinary. And Antoine was, was one of the first ones that I thought about. And, um, you know, many people don't realize, you know, before Antoine got saved, uh, you were involved, it was the Latin King uh, uh, gang across the lake, uh, really involved in that. And, and Antoine's one of those people that, it's always, it's so encouraging for me. I didn't know Antoine when he was like that. So when Antoine shares those stories of the things he used to say and the way he used to act, and now I see him on the other side, I can't, I can't imagine Antoine being like that, but I know he was. And now I'm looking at this, and what does that do? It builds up my faith. Because I'm like, God, you look at Antoine. He's, he's humble. He's broken. He's so thankful for what for everything that God has done for him. If you know his story, you'll understand why he's so thankful that he doesn't deserve anything except for Christ in him. And that, that's the new, that's, that's God, see, God saw, God saw Antoine today. He saw him standing up here this morning, holding this mic, giving glory to Jesus, building up the church. That if, 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 if we'd have been a Christian back then and we were maybe witnessing to Antoine and matter whoever he was, we'd have been like, I, That'll never happen. Like the Apostle Paul, when he was persecuting the church, the Christians, they, they probably weren't praying for him, except that he would die. And what did God do? God turned his whole life around. And he became one of the greatest writers in the Bible, wrote most of the, most of the books in the New Testament. And then Ray, Ray was another one. I know I pick on Ray a lot. And, and I didn't know Ray before he got saved, but, but I'm sure Sister Colleen can verify this. Ray, you were a mess before you got saved. You were bad. But he had a lot of giftings and talents, though, before he got saved. But what did God do? God turned it around. He's a worship leader now. His whole family is involved in our worship team. See, God, God, God saw that. Yeah. See, we, we, we got to see what God sees. That, that not Look beyond where a person is now and look what God can do, what, what they are yet to become. And then 
um, I've said, shared the story of my son Joshua. I mean, and my wife and I, we still, you know, Lee, him and Lee both to see what God has done in their life. And, you know, I, rem I remember it wasn't that long ago, you know, Lori and I was going to bed at night. We didn't know where he was. We didn't know where he was. And, and you were sleeping, but you really weren't sleeping. You, you just always in the back of your mind, what if, what, what, whatever. And God just turned the whole thing around. And now Joshua can tell you a lot of the, the, the uh, guys that he was hanging around with and doing the things with that he shouldn't have been doing. A lot of those guys are saved now. They saved. That's God. See, God, God, God always sees what we are going to become. So what do we have to do as a church? We have to have eyes to see the lost person as what they can become, not what they are now. Because if all we're looking at is what they are now, we're going to get aggravated. I'm going to be like, you're aggravating me. Well, we all aggravated God at one point. Some of us still aggravate God today. I'm probably one of them. God, give me a heart to see what that person can become. I love, I, I love those stories. And, of course, Brother Carl sitting here. And y'all, Brother Carl doesn't, some of y'all haven't heard him preach as much as I did when we were in Chalmette. But um, Brother Carl, he was a long-haired, uh, dope-smoking hippie. And he's, he said that. That's what Brother Carl said it. And um, I, he was another one when Brother Carl used to say that when we were in Chalmette. I'm like, well, I know he's saying that, but I, I've never seen that. So I don't know. I can't imagine that. And he showed me some pictures one day when y'all were living on Karen Drive. I think you had some pictures before Katrina. And he was. He, Brother Carl had long hair. Look at him now. No, I'm talking about what you become in Christ. But think about that. And I know he could probably testify to this. There were probably people in his life, your own family, that said, you know, oh, Carl will never amount to anything. He'll, he'll, never, he'll never be anything. And now look at him. He's building the kingdom, the kingdom of God. His life's turned around. His family's blessed. There's a heritage. There's a legacy that he's leaving. We got we to see, see God. We got to see what God sees, not what we see. And that takes what? That takes spiritual eyes. I got I to gotta become blinded physically, and then I got I to gotta be able to see spiritually what it is, what it is that, God, that God sees. God sees new creations in Christ. God sees people healed and forgiven. God sees sons and daughters. God sees worship leaders. God sees preachers. God sees teachers. You know, don't look at someone and say they'll never. Even your own family, never, never, ever say never. God, God's a God of never. God's a God of dead, a God of the impossible. God loves dead things. He, he loves the impossible things. Why? Because he gets the glory. He gets the glory in it. Because everybody looks at that and says, there's no way he or she could have did that without God. <laughs> I used to know them. They couldn't, have been that, they couldn't have been that person. In Luke 15, 22 to 24, it says, But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost, and, he is, and now he is found. So they began to celebrate. See, that, that older brother probably said that, that, that son will never amount to anything. He'll, he'll never, he's wasted his life. He's wasted it. And all, all he saw was a prodigal, but God saw a son restored. God saw a new creation. God saw a, saw a new life. And 
And, that, and that's what it is that God wants us to see, that God sees us as mighty warriors. That, that's what you are. And you can walk out of here this morning and you can say, well, you know, I made a mistake yesterday. I did this. I did that. It doesn't matter. That's what God says. You are a mighty warrior. We are mighty warriors, church. And God is using ordinary people like me and you to do extraordinary things in this church and in this parish. And it's going to be accomplished through us. There's, not a, there's no plan B. It's us. God is looking at us. And I'm excited to be a part of what God is doing. And I'm excited that y'all are partnering with us here at the tabernacle. So, amen. You can stand to your feet, please.